0: hardest part about being a creator is mapping out a career for yourself that's both lucrative but in line with your values because we can get caught up on chasing these numbers and chasing these subscribers and chasing these brand deals and we can get down to the finish line and look back and be like what the hell did I just sacrifice to get here and when you look at the carnage of relationships that you've missed out you realize that it's not worth it
1: This is the creator smarts podcast the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business i'm your host jan hey everybody it's your Dutch friend jan and you are listening to episode 152 of the creator smarts podcast and today we're gonna interview joe franco whom you just heard uh, before the intro sharing a few uh sharing some wisdom here on the podcast and that was only a little teaser of course but uh, yeah she's gonna share we, we're we gonna have an interesting conversation today and we're gonna talk about all kinds of topics um joe basically started her career as a content creator about 10 years ago um with the uh, youtube channel damon and joe and it took her a few years to to get traction she struggled and she was broke But then after a few years of hard work, they finally made their breakthrough. And after a few years, they hit uh, 1.2 million subscribers. Huge success. But um, it was not, she found out that it was not what she really wanted to do. And uh, she had to make a really hard decision there, to quit that project, and she basically quit after reaching one point two million subscribers, it disappointed her audience. Um, so yeah, that's one of the topics that we're going to take, that we're going to talk about today. When is the time to quit and move on to the next project? Um, not long after that, Joe got um, got the chance to become a host of a Netflix series, a travel, a travel show. She hosted two seasons. We can talk about some of the lessons that she learned from running that Netflix show and how it made her a better content creator. I also asked her the question, what paid better, working as a content creator with a million subscribers or working as a Netflix host? And we're also going to talk about why creators should pursue fulfillment rather than money and fame. So here are just, yeah, those are just a few topics that we're going to talk about today. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you're going to like it too. Without further ado, here is my interview with Joe Franco. Um, Joe, welcome to the Creator Smarts podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do.
0: Hi, I'm Joe Franco and I'm really excited to be here because talking about the behind the scenes of what what creators do is a passion of mine. I think, you know, when somebody sees someone traveling the world and making silly videos, they automatically assume that that person's life is easy and the best life ever. And yes, it's the best life ever, but there's a lot that goes into it. So I've been creating travel content and content in different languages for it's gonna be a decade now which is insane I started back in 2012 with a channel uh, a joint channel called Damon and Joe and from having to bake cookies trying to get subscribers we grew the channel to 1.2 million people around the world who who bought into our brand of young people traveling and you know As it always is, we got older and we were no longer just young people traveling. And this was around 2018 when I decided to jump ship and start my new projects because there were so many other things that I hadn't been able to speak about with that first channel. So I started a journaling company called Joe Club, which is a membership program. I started making different sorts of content on my YouTube channel and across my social media about financial literacy and language learning, like really into the language learning. And then I booked a Netflix show. So I hosted two seasons of a Netflix show called The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals and maintaining the social media while while shooting a global show, right? So it was really a wild ride because I think I I fulfilled the full cycle. A lot of people, when they start on social media, their goal is to end up on television or like on a network or on a network show. And I was able to do exactly that. And, and now I'm starting the cycle over again with different interests in mind. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we're going to talk uh, about all the things because, yeah, you've done so many things. Started your career as a creator ten years ago. Take us back in time ten years ago. What was Joe uh, like, and how did you? Why did you? St- where did you start? Did you start on YouTube, or was that yeah. another platform?
0: Yeah, yeah. We started on YouTube, and this was two thousand and twelve. So it was already kind of becoming something, but the influencer industry was not big. It was not big enough where people truly knew if creators made money or not. So I was in college. I was studying international business and sociology and thought I was going to work for someone else. But then I studied abroad in Paris. I was so broke that the only thing I could afford to do was make videos. And this is when it all started with my college buddy, Damon, because we wanted to document our adventures as these young college kids studying abroad with a very... Little money and in fact I journal everything my journals are behind me the other day I opened a journal from Paris and it said that I had eight Dollars in my bank account and a credit card that was like fifteen hundred dollars of debt Wow! these are things you forget right like when ten years go go down the line and you're sitting in a house filled with things That you bought from the internet you forget that when you just started out it was not easy so 2012, we started making these videos on YouTube partially to try to sell a TV show. And Uh after executive and after executive and executive and executive, like all of these executives said, no, we, Mm. we just refocused our energy and said, okay, let's, let's see what YouTube has to offer. So at first it was one video a week, then two videos a week. And this is while I'm in college. I'm a resident advisor juggling like three different jobs, internships, unpaid, Working at a restaurant in New York City, like gritty and and staying yeah. up all night editing these YouTube videos that would eventually lead us to move to Los Angeles in 2015 where we specifically had no plan B. We didn't have any backup offers of jobs. We didn't know anyone in Los Angeles. We didn't have an apartment. I moved with a carry on suitcase and a YouTube channel that had 40,000 subscribers. That wasn't even enough to feed one person, let alone two. And we both showed up. We were like, well, there's no other way to do this but to do it. And within three months, we got, uh, we basically tripled our subscribers because we went insane creating uh, three videos a week, four videos a week, just really stretching the the width of the creative possibilities and the way we financially supported ourselves back then was I would cold email people on LinkedIn. I would find executives that had similar visions or had products that we would potentially use. And I would just pitch them yeah. and I'd be like, Hey, I see you're yeah. trying to expand in the U S market. We're a young travel show for the U S market. I'd love to collaborate. And this is how we started paying our rent in Los Angeles. And I haven't wow. worked for anyone ever since.
1: Wow, so you're a real hustler, then.
0: Yep, I am. <laughs>
1: How long again did it take you from uh, the time you started until you got that? Until you moved to LA and, and started grinding? Was that like? So, two thousand and
0: twelve. Two thousand and twelve, we were dipping our toes in the water. We we weren't serious, right? Like, I think in a creator's journey, you could start testing yeah. it out, and then there's a moment yeah. where you have to decide, like, am I doing this for real? That am Mm. I doing this for real only happened three years later. So for three three years, we were like posting here and there and it was fun and we would, we would go on trips and film it and maybe if we had time, we'd edit it. But then 2015 hit and that was the moment where like, okay, we have to make at least two videos a week because we're, this is now our only option.
1: Yeah. So the goal all the way from the beginning was to, to start your own television show.
0: That was like, it's funny because, you know, in hindsight, you could see everything clearly. Back then, to be honest, for me, the goal was just to create a career where I could use all of my skills because I did seven internships while in college. Seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. Talk about being a hustler. I went to a private business school out of state. That's the most expensive option for anyone in the States to go to college. And I didn't grow up with money at all. We grew up my family, we were undocumented for 12 years. So I didn't travel either. So for my mm-hmm. entire childhood, it was like cleaning offices with my mom on the weekends. We didn't take trips. There were no vacations. I think we took one yeah. family vacation and it was to Ocean City, Maryland. And when I got to college, I was like, damn, I have to figure this out. And the thing that I noticed in these internships was that they would only use one or max two of my skill sets. For instance, I was interning mm-hmm. at a PR company. And I use my writing to do press releases or I use people skills, you know, in these events. But then I would do a new business internship and I learned the art of pitching. Uh, I did a video editing internship, but it was just editing. Nowhere did I ever use my languages. So I speak multiple languages and I wanted to exercise that skill. I couldn't use those skills. If I did a marketing internship, I was the most junior person in the room. So my ideas were not valued. Or they were, and I would not get the credit or recognition or promotion of like payment. So I would be yeah. doing all the work and getting no recognition. And at the end of my college internships, I was just like, this is so stupid. Because if I work for someone else, my skill sets and what I can offer to the world will not actually have the, the ability to shine. I have to make my own job. Yeah. And and that was the YouTube. Yeah.
1: Hmm. That's interesting, right? Because, of course, you want to do something where you can apply the skills that you have. But at the same time, you also know that it's going to take a very long time to make money, right? It's very difficult to grow a YouTube channel, especially back in the day. How realistic did you think it was back in 2012, 2015 to grow a YouTube channel that was actually going to make enough money to to survive?
0: This is such a tricky question. You know, people always talk about, is the market too saturated? We used to think the market was too saturated back in 2012. So when yeah. you boil that down, I think it's really just a state of mind that there there is enough out there for everyone. There are enough eyeballs out there. So is it more difficult now than it was then? I don't know. But back then, what I do know is that the infrastructure for creators to make money online was not as established there were very mm-hmm. few brand deal agencies you know the the concept of a creator making full-time money on these recurring brand deals or these year-long deals that was very new and so the yeah. big challenge for us financially was trying to convince people of the value of influencer marketing and we got very lucky because a lot of people just liked us A lot of people believed in us, and we we delivered. And also, we took a lot of opportunities that were unpaid simply to show what we could do. So my first deal, our first deal was to go to Mexico, Ecuador, and Costa Rica for three months unpaid. And the deal was that the company would pay for us to go to Spanish school and pay for our accommodation. And in exchange, we would have to deliver, I think it was nine promotional videos. That's a lot.
1: Like top quality
0: <laughs> yeah. promotional videos, and we had to pay for our own flights. So, in essence, what you're saying is we paid to work, but that was what we had to do to build up our inventory of videos and our skill sets and something on our resume to say, like, we've worked with brands before. So, yeah. there was a lot more challenge back then. I think now micro influencers, you know, they're appreciated. People can start making a living, even if it is a small deal, a small deal here and a small deal there. That's like a tongue twister. Uh, but the infrastructure is built today and it wasn't back then. Mm.
1: Yeah. So it took you a few years to get to 40,000 subscribers and then you moved to LA, if I'm not mistaken. And you said, okay, now, now we're going to, now we're going to work for real. Now we're going to build something. What were the changes that you made that
0: so we really i think kind of like an engineer uh i want to see the framework of what we're building i want to see the road so when i knew that we were in charge of our finances the first thing i did was get a cork board and on the cork board i would swap out every single week the statistics of all of our accounts that was also the moment where yeah. we decided we were going to grow across all platforms so yes we were bigger yeah. on youtube but we had a twitter account we had an instagram account and, those, and we had a blog. So I would put like the page, page view numbers, the visitors on the site. I would put the Twitter followers. I would put the YouTube subscribers. I would put the Instagram followers. And every single week on Monday, we would have a meeting. I even made a spreadsheet with percent change. And when things were not changing, we would think about what is the strategy to boost this account? What content are we yeah. focusing on? And we would divide and conquer. So there was the... the actual numerical thought the strategy there but then there was the content strategy in the creative sense where we couldn't afford to travel and our our content was about travel so this is when we had to think outside the box we're like okay well if we cannot travel we could talk in different languages we could speak different languages and bring travel to our channel and so that's what we did so that's yeah. when we did a video in English on Tuesday a video in French on Friday and a video in Portuguese on Sunday. And not only were we starting to build new audiences in these different locations, but we were reuniting the world on the channel. And with that came subtitles. Mm -hmm. So every video had three subtitles, right? We had to get contractors to do those in every video. Then you have the promo strategy for every single video. What does that look like on Twitter? What does that look like on Instagram? We learned quickly. People Mm -hmm. don't, respond well, if you just copy and paste. So you need to think for that platform and kind of like translate that content in different forms for different platforms. Yeah. Uh, so it was a lot, you know, like even talking mm. about this now, I'm like, damn, we really worked. It was sacrifice for three years. I don't remember having much fun, but yeah. within the first six months, we were able to support ourselves full time. And then our life became work. And then it became traveling. And then we booked web series where we were getting paid to travel and film. Uh, Then it became brand deals that would give us the equivalent of a year's salary in a few months. And and that's kind of how it all began to take off.
1: Yeah. I remember that. I don't. I don't remember when it was, but about how big did the channel get? The Damon and Doge, uh, J, da, sorry, Damon and D, uh, Joe. <laughs> that's also another tongue twister there. Damon and Joe um, grew to what uh, one and a half million or something? Like it, it became pretty it big, was, right? Uh,
0: yeah, we were at 1.2 million subscribers, and for wow. me, the goal was always one million subscribers. That was always yeah. our goal, joint goal. And then when, when we hit one million subscribers. That's when I was like, okay, well, now what? And yeah. this is where we disconnected. Damon was like, let's do 2 million. And I I had to th- ask myself and be like, do I want to do another million? And I said, no, I don't. Because with that journey, while it was beautiful and abundant and very lucrative, you sacrifice a lot. And not only sacrificing your own creative endeavors that you have that don't fit into the brands that you've built, but you're sacrificing... Your time with people that you care about because you're, you're traveling to make a living. So you're, yeah. you're purposely spending time away. Like you have a very difficult thing to decide because it's either you make money and make a career or you spend time with the people you care about. And I was just not willing to spend the next 10 years of my life making that choice. I didn't want it to be yeah. career or people I care about. I wanted it to be a world where like I could have both, which is now what I'm building. Mm.
1: What what were some of the things that you wanted to do but that you couldn't really do within the um the content strategy of the Damon and Joe do- Damon and Joe channel I love it Damon and Joe <laughs> That's it so, Damon and Joe so, yeah
0: Yeah yeah so I think the the biggest challenge for me while in the Damon and Joe channel was that I knew that I had this writing bug I really wanted to write I wanted to continue to grow this community of people that wanted to get into financial literacy. These are things I started putting on the Damon and Joe channel, but I realized like this is a different brand. It's almost like Joe on the Damon and Joe channel was my early twenties and now I am making content for my thirties. I'm turning 30 this year and the things that I speak about now that are very different, it's... It's almost like a little bit more serious. It's like, okay, I bought a house. Here's what I need to tell you about buying a house. Like that didn't really fit in the Damon and Joe narrative because we're talking about young travel. Or yeah. this is the truth about financial literacy. Or like I'm working on a mini series now about working with a financial advisor. Like these things did not fit in the Damon and Joe brand that were super important to me. I've always been very entrepreneurial and I love growing businesses, as you can hear. But on the Damon and Joe channel, I was just a fun, bubbly girl making jokes around the world. I wasn't looked at as a a mentor or as an entrepreneur. And that was the toughest part for me because I I almost had to play this character that was only one sliver of my personality. that became more and more difficult to suppress so now it's like I have my podcast on not your average joe and everyone is shocked people who have been following me for years they're like wow like I've followed you for years and I've never felt more connected to you than on your podcast because this is authentic like this is I can tell that this is you and I'm like yes it's finally coming out after Mm -hmm. all of these years not to say that it was fake but when you're when you're a partnership, when you're a duo, when you're... It's just like a boy band situation. Everyone has their role and you yeah. play your role and that's how the team wins. But then mm. that means that things get sacrificed. Creative ideas get get sacrificed. Yeah. And now Damon and I are both doing our individual things exactly how we see fit that will take us in the next chapter of our lives, wherever that may be. And I couldn't be happier because it was yeah. a beautiful chapter of my life. But now I'm doing the joe 2.0 version of it
1: Mm. yeah i I can relate to that a lot because i come from the world of you know learning languages and teaching languages Uh, i used to have a youtube channel where we uh, teach how to learn what we thought how to learn uh, foreign languages and did that for a while and then after five or six years in i was in the same situation like making the transition from my twenties to my thirties, right? Settling down, buying a house, getting a child, two kids now. And it was like, hey, I can't travel so much anymore. Learning all these languages is actually not gonna add that much value to my life anymore because I cannot really use them. Just interest shifts, right? And then you're still in this in this old business where you, you have to appear on camera and you have to be enthusiastic about the topic, right? So I think then some of us get to a stage where we have to make a difficult decision, right? We're either going to stick to the thing that has been working, that we were very good at, and we're going you know, to do the boy band thing. Whenever we start the press button, we're going to be enthusiastic about the topic, and we just double down on that business because that's where the audience is, that's what's working. Or we say, wait, we have this huge YouTube channel, in your case, 1.2 million subscribers, but you know what, this is not no longer sustainable anymore, we're going to start all over again, but at least I'm going to do something that I like and that I talk about topics that I really care about. So I, I see creators do both, right? So sometimes you just stick to the thing that's working, and sometimes it's people like you and me where we say, "Okay, fuck this, we have to start. We have to start all over again, almost all over again, right?" Right. Um, was that a difficult decision for you or?
0: Oh my God! Are you was, kidding me? Was that an easy one? Me? It was an impossibly difficult decision. It was so scary because it wasn't just financially. It was, it was a personal connection with the person, and it was it was the people also. Like 1.2 million people were subscribed to the friendship. They were subscribed <sighs> to the content, and for me to say, "Damn, I have to basically risk disappointing all of these people." so that I can save myself in a sense because I know that if I keep this up, I will be broken and then I can't provide for anyone. Like if I keep doing this, I will be lying to myself so hard that there's not going to be an Man. authentic bone in my body. And there was a moment where I, I mean, for for months I was going back and forth of like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because the, it didn't seem like there was a, a way to kind of, end things when you have 1.2 million people watching you there's no good way to end things really there isn't but you know we made the exit video which I was like we need to announce that we're just naturally growing in different directions we've done this for several years so we did and around the same time I auditioned for the Netflix show and booked the show so it was like this crazy thing because I was already one foot out the door when we decided to announce yeah. that we were parting ways. And yeah. a few months of me free falling from the sky, not knowing what was next, this audition process was happening. But I was already thinking, I was I already started making new videos on my channel. So mm. in many ways, it was almost like I had to take that leap and take the the chance for yeah. the universe yeah. to give me the next step. But it was yeah. a morning that I woke up and I was like, I would rather wake up tomorrow and have nothing but be true to myself Then keep on living something that doesn't feel connected to me anymore
1: Mm. and
0: that was the shift that changed everything
1: yeah how did the audience react to you guys announcing that you're gonna stop creating videos for the channel
0: i think a lot of people were bummed and i understand because they grew up with us but Mm. some people were also understanding they were like yeah nothing lasts forever it was a great run we made 600 videos like Is my life really to service other people for entertainment's sake or should I be evolving myself and inspiring others to evolve themselves? Because there was also a layer that I felt like I wanted to combine my passions for like learning things and developing businesses. I wanted to combine those things with content. And that was Hmm. not the nature of the Damon and Joe channel. The nature of the Damon and Joe channel was entertainment. And, and language, but through entertainment, like even when we're talking in different, speaking different languages, it's all entertainment. So, so yeah, people were bummed, but now some people are like, wow, you know, I've been following you for years and I'm so happy that you shifted your content because what you're talking about now connects with me because I've grown up with you and the same way you're speaking about these financial things or buying houses or whatever, that is the content that makes sense for me now. Whereas if you some creators have the opposite issue, some creators will stick to their content that they started out when they were in their early 20s and now they're in their mid 30s and they're miserable. And I've met a lot of these people. They're very successful, but they never change their content. And what ends up happening is that their audience outgrows them. Their audience grows up and then their numbers dip because they realize like, shit, everybody that gave. One, you know, F about my content, they're all older and they don't care about this stuff anymore. And now I'm stuck in this cycle because this is just what I know to work. And I'm too scared to switch up the format and have to start over finding a new audience. But what I've learned is that there is an audience out there for everyone. It's just a matter of consistency and making good shit.
1: Yeah, well, that's good news and a good insight as well. Would you recommend other creators to start a YouTube channel or to create build a platform with somebody else, with a business partner? Or it's tricky, right?
0: It's really tricky. I do see the beauties of partnership. You learn a lot when you're in a business partnership because you know they say if it's a good partnership, one plus one is not two; it's actually four. The sum of two people's efforts is much more than just two people. It, it's It's incredible. And that's why we were able to accomplish so much. I think there's Mm -hmm. also something beautiful in winning with someone and also losing with someone and staying committed even when it's dark. You know, like there were so many ups and downs. And I remember being like, damn, I'm so glad that we have each other because this would be such a dark path doing it alone. But then there's the other side Mm -hmm. where it's two people. You're not one person. Our names may be linked in one username, but we are two individual people with different values, different wants. And as time passes, people change. And so there's just... I think there's an elegant way to bow down and and leave while things are good when you start noticing that the road is splitting because you see it way before it's time to leave. It's just a matter of who's accepting of change and who is not. So Mm -hmm. it's not that I... Advice against it i just think that having an honest conversation in the beginning before anything you know even gets built of like when is the moment where we should what like what's our exit strategy essentially and yeah. have those conversations like, yeah. before like, yeah that, that,
1: that, that's really important i mean we did the same thing with with creator smarts i'm running this thing with ollie and before we started before we registered the company we had that conversation we said okay we're gonna do this, the two of us. But we know that at some stage, you know, our interests are gonna change, and at some stage, you know, one of us wants to quit. Or what are we gonna do in, in in that situation? What is the exit strategy? And then we talk through all the scenarios, right? And well, yeah, I, th- I think it was a, I think it was a great tip. And he also talked to other experienced entre- entrepreneurs, and they said the same thing. Um, it's just, it, it just takes the pressure away. To have you know, that conversation in the future when, when things get more difficult, I guess.
0: Absolutely. When you think about a, a proper business plan, exit strategies are, are always in that document, like in a business agreement, right? Like that yep. is usually a major point. What is our exit strategy? But when you think about creators, it's a relatively new business model that we don't learn about and as far as like these very – rigid sounding contractual things that should be standard when mm-hmm. i was starting that was not the case we did not think about exit strategy it crossed our minds right like even when it comes down to changing the the subject matter because there's the other scenario as well like we first started out talking about being budget travel and a lot of people would be like what are you going to do when you're no longer broke because if you keep this up you're going to make <laughs> money and then what so it's these conversations of like let's forecast how far we can take this thing And at every step of the way, when things need to change, what is our strategy there? Like, what are we going to do to kind of hit the timeout button and regroup? But I think that the struggle is that the creator industry is so new that creators don't think to have these conversations. But it's essential, in my opinion, having gone through Mm -hmm. what it looks like when it gets ugly and when it gets messy. Because it didn't stay pretty, right? Like, Damon launched a video the day that my show came out on netflix it was like the week my netflix show came out so two years after two years after our final goodbye video he resurfaced this non-existent drama and this is just not in good faith this is not in good faith and in this moment i couldn't i had to get off youtube basically because he basically sent a an army of people asking either for my response to the conversation or to, to say that I'm a horrible person. And I'm like, I'm not even going to entertain this because this oh, is absolutely. not a conversation. This was two years ago. Right. And like, but this is yeah. the danger when you don't have these mature conversations before. Yeah.
1: I, I think the, the whole thing with, with, you know, the, the creative economy that we are seeing is that there's so many talented creators, but that audience is growing faster than their business skills. Right, So they're getting all these massive opportunities and they say yes, but then they forget the little things like this one, um, talking about the next strategy and all those other things. So I think there is a big need for, um, well, s- support um, and also education, I guess. And I guess that's one of the things that for one of the reasons for which we started Creator Smart, so we're having that conversation now, so that we can share. Well, in this case, your wisdom, with uh, with with beginning and more advanced content creators, of course. So, yeah, thank you. Um, what happens? Okay, so next chapter, right? What happened afterwards? You start with a channel; you had to start from scratch. How did that go? Was it slow? I mean.
0: I mean, so this is what's interesting. After the Damon and Joe chapter, I, I remember I was sitting in a coffee shop and I had just started customizing the branding on my channel, on the Joe Franco YouTube channel. And that was yeah. the day that I got the call that Netflix wanted to continue. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, what does this mean? Like now I... And it wasn't certain. Nothing was certain yet because I st- the negotiations of that contract took months. So I kind of knew like long after Damon and I, we decided to part ways. A few weeks go by. I started putting videos here and there on my channel. They were kind of bad. I didn't love them. And then the day that I sat down at a coffee shop and decided, okay, it's time to start YouTube 2.0 for me again. That was the day that I find out that Netflix wanted to continue with me. And, and then a few months go by and I was almost paralyzed. I felt like I was like, trying to digest what I had just accomplished, all the stuff that I had just done. So I went to New Zealand and I went by myself to a meditation and yoga retreat for, for 10 days. And and I spent some time in Brazil too, which is where I'm from. So it was always nice to regroup there. And I, I kept thinking, what do I want? What do I want? And it kept resurfacing in my journals that what I wanted was to write I wanted to connect, connect with people globally. Like I wanted to just build new things that was not just for me, that was to create communities of people like me that grew up in between cultures, that wanted to learn about different languages and all of these things, but also wanted to be introspective. So yeah. I started making videos along those lines on my YouTube channel. And just as I got my rhythm, the Netflix show started. So we started shooting January of 2020, and when you're shooting a TV show, it's six days a week, at least our show was, six days a week from 7 in the morning until like 10 p.m. at night, and you're changing hotels every two days or Airbnbs, so you're packing, unpacking, repacking, moving around. We went from L.A. to Bali to Hawaii to Japan to the Bahamas to Finland to Dominican Republic. And then COVID hits. And when COVID hits, I'm like, damn, like what now? And I thought it was going to be two weeks. Turns out four months. In this four-month period, I start posting videos on my YouTube channel again. And this is when I'm like, I don't know if the show's going to come back, so I have to go all in. And I'm thinking of really creative ideas, and I'm posting these really, like, Difficult to edit videos, but I'm stuck in an apartment because it's pandemic times. So it's almost like all of my skill sets of making travel content that that was stripped away from me. So I had to make one room in an apartment look interesting. And I did a pretty good job because those videos were revving up. And then just as I was getting a flow of subscribers and views, guess what? The show comes back again. (laughs) And I'm like, damn it. Like it's this start and stop, start and stop. So then I start shooting again from July of 2020 through the winter. And like January 2021 is when we stopped shooting the show. So a show that should have taken six months actually took a full year to shoot. And then when you shoot a TV show, they own you. So I could not talk about what I had done for two years, two years. (laughs) And I couldn't post any of the content that I shot during that year because it was all tied to the properties I was seeing for the show. And so then again, once again, I had to think super creatively, like what content am I going to make? I just traveled for a year and I can't use any of that footage. So then I started making videos about how I bought my house and about learning Arabic and about um, just like random financial things. And as this is happening, I'm also growing my journaling club. And then the show comes out. And then when the show comes out, It's just press every single day. And you're not getting paid for press. You're just getting interviewed. Um, And this is when Damon sent the bomb my way. So I had to get off YouTube. So I got off YouTube because nothing I said would change anyone's mind. And I didn't want to say anything either. But, like, I could post any kind of video and people would come and attack me. And I'm like, let me just focus on building my business, which was Joe Club. And I was on Instagram and that was really fun. Getting a few deals here and there. Uh, Finally, when I started going back on YouTube, I'm like, okay, now, now, which is recent. This is actually recent. I still haven't gotten the groove yet. I'm like, damn, like, am I ready to do this again? I just know the sacrifice that it takes. But the difference now is that when I do post a video, it's a video that I've edited with true enjoyment. And it's a topic that I actually want to talk about. And I'm building a new audience that doesn't even know anything. They literally don't know because the content I'm making now is so different that most of the people watching would never have watched anything I've made prior, which is really shocking, right? Like I'm learning what I'm learning in this this chapter is like again there's an audience for everyone and you choose your audience so whatever content you make will attract the people that you want to attract if you're making smart content you will get a smart audience and Mm -hmm. that's it
1: i want i want to learn more about the journaling club that you have but let's first go back to that netflix show because that that sounds very (laughs) very exciting um just for the audience give a quick explanation of, of what it is or people can still watch it right it's still on netflix
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still on Netflix. It's a very fun show. It's called The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals. It's a very long title. And the title explains yeah. what the show is. We got to travel around the world while, the, you know, everything was kind of shut down, which was a crazy experience. But in that job, I was hosting people around the world and showing them the unique Airbnbs. So it was more experience based, right? Like the way we're traveling today, it's less about checklist traveling i never was a checklist traveler but it's a more experiential approach and that's definitely my cup of tea that's my jam so uh that show was so crazy because we did two seasons that's 16 episodes all around the world and i really enjoyed that experience because you start seeing like i saw what it was to host and the craft of hosting it's a craft and I loved it. And I was like, damn, okay, I've learned a lot of this on the fly on YouTube, but now I'm really with the big dogs. And this is everything from what colors are you wearing to how are you positioning your body to how do you have chemistry with somebody ten seconds after they just blew up or or you're super upset? Like this is an art. Yeah. And that was what I was focusing on. So it was a new career essentially. A totally how did new you career. Learn that-
1: how do you become a Netflix presenter? How do, how do you get your own TV show? How, how do you lend that, that gig? Tell us about that.
0: Everything you do is setting you up for the next thing. You might not know it. So uh, because of the YouTube channel, they they essentially wanted both of us to audition the the first round. Like we had a few meetings together and this was already one we had decided like, it's, this is not the continuation. Like this is not it. And then Netflix said, you know, we, we just want to continue with Joe to the final audition. And I was like, damn, okay, I got to go do this and see what happens. So I walk into the chemistry test room and you are in a room with very beautiful people.
1: Chemistry test room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a chemistry test. So The scene is essentially a room with 15, 13 or 15 very attractive people who come from different careers. Some of them were hosts. Some of them were models. Some of them were singers, actors, foodies, uh, a few other creators, like a few other YouTubers. And what they do is they put you (laughs) with some stranger that you have never met before and they give you a few talking points. They'll be like, okay, this house is this big. This is the year it was built. This is who owned it. Do not stop speaking until we yell cut. And so you have to walk around bantering with this person that you just met acting like you've been (laughs) best of friends while naturally integrating talking points and feeling positive enough to like not break down in tears while the camera crew is filming you and executives are watching you from monitors in the other room. So this is what we did to get this job. So it's a proper audition. It's a huge test that lasts nine to ten hours. And so... The whole day, they're they're putting people with the, in different combinations to see who has chemistry. And um, in the end,
1: chemistry with with whom? With, with the other team members or just in general? Is this just no a skill with the that other co-hosts? General, they're oh, looking okay. for two uh, yeah. co-hosts. All right. So when you and see was, a TV
0: show, when you see any yeah. show, odds are they put people through chemistry tests. They'll put. Mm. several different people in in combinations to see like, is this guy with this girl good? Or are these two women good? Or are these two guys good? Like who has chemistry? Who's believable? So you have to be so damn authentic. You have to be so you that it, it jives with the other person being so themselves for that thing to happen. It's magic. It's chemistry. Mm. It's scientific, but it's also magic. So at the end of that audition, we, all three of us, because there are three hosts, we ended up getting called in together because they only wanted one guy and one girl. But the girl and I, Megan, we got along very well, even though we were supposedly competitors. But I'm not there to compete. I'm like, this girl's cool as hell. You guys can give it to her, you know. And in the end, they wanted all three of us because they said that that, that was the chemistry.
1: Yeah. And
0: so that's how I got it.
1: Mm. And were you approached by Netflix or were you doing outreach yourself?
0: I was approached because that's, that's of six hundred videos. Six hundred videos on the internet. So, was I approached, or did we just, you know, plant seeds for the world to find us? Because everything you're putting on the internet is they're, they're fractals of your resume, of your presence. So, everything yeah. that I'm doing, whether it's Joe Club, like I just got a deal with Canon, the camera company, that I posted on my my joe franco instagram because of my journaling club account right so it's like you're you just mm. planting seeds for the things that you want to reap
1: yeah what was more fun creating videos for damon and joe or uh, recording the the netflix show and then i also want to know which one pays better
0: so great questions jan um, i also want to say that on the damon and joe channel we were making videos by ourselves so the videos that like in the last two years we made more solo travel videos than videos together. So when I made videos for Damon and Joe, it was like me alone in Cuba learning how to dance also or like me in Italy living with a homestay. So from start to finish, that process was mine and same thing for Damon's videos, which was amazing because it got us really good at making videos together, but also very good at making videos alone. And for the last chapter of the damon and joe channel it was more of like two people making videos on the same channel than it was both of us in the same videos so each format has its own joy but also its own pain on the damon and joe channel the the joys when i made videos with damon when you make videos with a partner and the chemistry is good oh it's magic because it's like there's nothing you can do to reciprocate this alone I can physically Mm -hmm. never have this banter because it's dependent on both of us. Mm -hmm. And we always had this motto of like, when you shine, I shine. And that's chemistry. Chemistry is nothing Mm -hmm. more than supporting your co-host. And that's what Damon and I got really good at doing. Even when we were pissed off at each other. Right. And I think that Mm -hmm. is magic. That's the craft. Videos alone on the Damon and Joe channel. I absolutely loved making them because I had no idea where those videos would go. Since it was just me, I wasn't so rigid about a plan. I was just like, "Let me film and craft the story in the edit and a lot of those videos have some of like the most memorable interactions with humans that I 've ever had in my life, like the the telling host family. I asked them to film a video of our dinner until this day that's one of my favorite videos, you know like shitty camera yeah. quality, but the memory' is recorded. Mm-hmm. The pain in that is like I have to sit. And think about the camera angles and have bad camera skills and know that my taste is not as good as my technicality. And that's annoying. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to the Netflix show, which is the exact opposite, right? Like, technically speaking, we have prime, prime everything. We have the best camera guys. We have the best editors. We have the best uh, support production-wise. We have drones flying up in the air. I have to touch nothing. So the video quality and the sound quality, everything is amazing. But the bad side for me as somebody who's creative is that I had no creative direction whatsoever on anything. You're essentially just a puppet. You're fulfilling a role that allows them to create the show. And that's what it is when you're hosting. And you have to find creative ways to build a story wherever you can. So when people watch the show, they're like, Oh my God, Joe, I love your outfits and I love your hair and makeup. And I'm like, yeah, that was the major creative say I had. So I was going to take it to the next level. And then the other parts of the the show that I absolutely loved. And I told this to the director, I was like, damn, this is crazy. I'm actually just getting paid to research and learn things because for once, I don't have to worry about booking the trips and, you know, buying the tickets and coordinating with, with anyone I am showing up and all I have had to do is plan my outfits, do my research and convince the audience of like the joys that I genuinely feel, but showing up as authentic as possible every day, which is a job. That is a job when you're sleep deprived and you know, like in a different time zone than you were the day before you have to show up with some energy that you literally pull out of nowhere.
1: So what, what pays better than having a YouTube channel with a million subscribers, travel-related, or hosting a season for Netflix?
0: What do you think?
1: Hmm. I mean, if you, have a, if, you have a million, if you have a million subscribers on YouTube, I'm, I'm, I don't know too much about the travel niche and what, what the sponsors are willing to pay. But I guess hosting your own Netflix show is more, it sounds more fancy. It's, it sounds sounds like you would earn more with that. But I'm not yeah, sure yeah. because those guys also know that if you become that host, you're going to get access to, uh, I don't know, people want to interview you. They want to talk to you. They're just going to give you access to the next thing, right? So they would be in a good position to negotiate as well. So And
0: there you go. There's your answer. There's your answer, Jan. You guessed it. You get paid way more. At least I did. Yeah, I got paid way more on the internet than hosting the show. But the value is not in the paycheck when you're hosting a Netflix show. The value is in the experience and in the resume line item, for lack of a better explanation. It's in... Like, when I think about that experience, I... I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the experience of, of actually hosting a show and hosting two seasons of a show and having new co-hosts and seeing what that would feel like. I did that for all of it. I did it for, for working with a bigger team because the other downside of working on your own as a YouTuber or whatever content creator, you're a one stop shop. You don't have these genius people to collaborate and to think of cooler ideas. And that was one thing that I was really craving I'm like, damn, I Mm -hmm. want to work with people who are fundamentally better at their jobs than I am because that's the only way I'm going to really Mm -hmm. learn. And I did. So when it comes to the paycheck, I didn't look at it for the number. And that was after several negotiations, right? Like the contracts that you first get are never the contracts you sign. Uh, And we got them to better places. But overall, on the internet, you don't have a limit of what you can make. And that's why it's always been very lucrative. You can technically learn how to monetize all of your platforms. So it wasn't just 1 million subscribers on YouTube that we were monetizing. We were monetizing our Instagram that had a hundred and whatever thousand. were monetizing our Twitter that had, I don't even know how many thousand, but, and we had Facebook groups and then you build brands like being on the internet. You could build a world with no limits. When you're hosting a show, you're essentially an employee you get a paycheck and that's it. If you do an exceptional Mm. job, one episode, it doesn't change how much you get paid. But if you do an exceptional job on a YouTube video, it could go viral and that could change your payment structure, right? Like that's just going to attract more attractive deals.
1: Mm. How did hosting the Netflix show make you a better creator?
0: Uh, I learned a lot about hosting. I learned a lot about cameras i i have better gear now like the the hard drives that i use are no longer the shitty little ones i was using the memory cards are are better and overall like gear is better and then you start having these friends like i have good friends who work in production and they're doing amazing things all over the world that have just become creative connections that i could send a message to like hey do you think this format works or like what do you see for this and that adds value and all of the things right like having that community of creatives is very valuable and Mm -hmm. the other ways is just looking at shows formatted looking at my content in a formatted sense TV shows are very formatted and it's because there's a budget and there's a schedule and there are people that work in unions and they need to start and stop at a certain time. YouTubers and content creators do not think like that because there is no union. It's just us. And so when you start looking at content in this sense of like, how do I format this? How do I make the videos I'm making like repeatable, right? Like how do I train the audience to think in the format that I am setting the tone for now so that I can just repeat this format and and attract the audience that loves that and I did not look at content like that before at all
1: cool joe I know that we are running out of time so I have three web, rapid fire questions for you here yes first one why did you start a, why did you start a podcast
0: Why did I start a podcast because I absolutely love having deep conversations with people and I never felt like YouTube had that kind of bandwidth like podcast. Somebody will listen for an hour and a half YouTube Mm -hmm. unlikely that they'll stick around for more than 10 minutes, even though I'm posting the visual versions of my podcasts on my YouTube channel. But still like a podcast gives you permission to dive deep and I need that depth.
1: Mm -hmm. How do you monetize your brands? Of course, you have YouTube, you have your uh, your journaling club, you have, well, the Netflix series, at least two seasons of, the, of those. What else?
0: Yeah, so a lot of brand deals across different social medias, Instagram, like I just posted an Instagram post yesterday uh, that was a brand deal for Canon and it's so authentic to my brand that people actually love the ad, which is crazy because that means I get to do what I love and people actually like the ads that I'm making. Uh, I get paid to consult as well, and that's been really cool because I've done this for so many years, and I can look at it both from a business person's mind and the creator. And I mean, the sky's the limit. I'm building a language learning course because I learn languages as well, and people always ask me, how do I learn? I get paid from affiliate links. Uh, I get paid. I can build an idea. Like, I built the concept of a 21-day language challenge that I pulled out of nowhere, And I created a pitch deck and I sent it to a sponsor that I really connect with that I thought would be a good fit. And they sponsored the challenge, right? So it's like, there you go. I made money there. It's fun. It's a fun world. It's difficult, but it's fun.
1: So what's the hardest thing about being a creator? And that's the final question.
0: Hardest part about being a creator is mapping out a career for yourself that's both lucrative but in line with your values because we can get caught up on chasing these numbers and chasing these subscribers and chasing these brand deals and we can get down to the finish line and look back and be like what the hell did I just sacrifice to get here and when you look at the carnage of relationships that you've missed out you realize that it's not worth it and I think We can all map this road, but it takes intentionality to know what do you actually want out of life? What are your values that are not tied to money or or success? And how can you combine what you love to do, what you naturally do with a content strategy that's sustainable for the ways that your life will shift? Because when you start, maybe you don't have a family, but maybe one day you might consider having a family. So pick some topics that are flexible enough for you to dip your toes into something new when that life change happens, because no one's going to give you a new job title. You have to build it for yourself.
1: Wow. Fantastic. Joe, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on the podcast here. If people want to learn more about you, where can it go?
0: They can follow me on social media. Uh, I'm most active right now on Instagram at Joe underscore Franco. I also have a podcast on Spotify, called not your average joe where i talk to people about how to not be average right like every single episode i'm learning which is amazing and as well as my youtube channel that i'm slowly revamping and that's joe franco j-o franco all
1: right we're gonna check it out thank you so much
0: thanks jan
1: all right, I hope that you liked this episode with Joe Franco. And if you want me to do more of these interviews, then please give this podcast a positive rating um, because we're not doing any sponsorships. We just want you to have the best listening experience. And uh, if you could help me out by giving this a positive rating, that's, uh, yes, yeah, really going to help us grow the podcast and bring in more interesting guests. Thank you so much and have a nice day.